Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you so much for joining me today on this very special edition of Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 167. My special guest has been on the podcast before, but not in the same location, right? Moves all the way from Germany. Welcome to the show, Marika Schroeder. Thank you so much for not only not only being on the podcast, but make, taking the time out of your vacation to come visit. So that was super cool. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> this time, really here in the studio and not just over the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's been awesome. I don't know. Was it one or two years ago? I, I don't. I'm not even sure. It hasn't been that long that no. we did the initial one. No, it was one year and maybe like two months okay. ago or something. And what's super cool about that? I was on your podcast. You were on mine. But it was that interaction that got me to even think about going to Frankfurt for the book Mesa. And uh, that was such an incredible experience. You guys both came down, which was really cool. That that was. Awesome. Yeah, and so then to have the opportunity for you guys to come here. So all week long, I've, I've been looking forward to this. Usually don't have a lot of friends come over. And so this is cool. And I was also thinking, man, I have friends that live an hour away that, that I haven't seen in a long time. So it does mean a lot that you guys came out here. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank you so much. It's a shame that you don't have friends over so often because you have a lovely house. Well, thank you. I don't, we spend so much time just enjoying, I think, our weekends as a family we we've really been working on that so you guys totally ruined our weekend oh. <laughs> but really like saturdays from friday around three o'clock until sunday afternoon like i'm just like okay that's family time i'm just gonna hang out play Fortnite with my wife and whatever makes her happy because she's working hard all week so yeah that's probably why we don't do a lot of stuff with friends but this was fun my my kids even enjoyed hanging out with you i was like i know my daughter enjoyed it so did jake showing you all his pokemon cards and <laughs> something super cool that has developed was uh we got started talking about writing and you guys might have mentioned i can't remember whether or not you had mentioned your book idea to me in germany or not has it have you had it for that long We've had it for that long, like ever since mm. our last trip to the U.S. in 2019. Okay. We, like, out of the blue, actually started to develop this idea because we used to do, like, a lot of driving, as you do when you do a round trip in the U.S. And while you drive, like, there's, of course, like, some time when you have a certain silence that falls between you and when you get oh, it. Yeah. By, by the way, for everyone who does not know, when Mark is talking about we it's me and my husband oh, <laughs> so back then me and my boyfriend when we were in the car there's sometimes silence when you just sit in comfortable silence and sometimes you just start to think and at some point we started to think about this story idea that started to develop but like more of a of a world that we thought was cool and less of a real story but when we mentioned it to mark today we actually started <laughs> to develop some story ideas and that was actually pretty great because he has already done so many stories <laughs> other than us so that's pretty cool yeah and you got to work on it two ghosts right? oh yeah ghosts has yeah. been here a lot no i think it was i think it's a really cool story idea i think it's very it's a very smart idea i think having both of you working on it together like that's cool. I also know, and, and, and my, you, you got to see how my family reacted because I'm always encouraging people to write. I, and I want to get rid of anything that might be blocking someone from tapping into that creativeness, whether it's like a doubt 
you know, like, oh, I don't know how to write a book, you know, because that's real easy to do. Like if you haven't done it before, then it might seem overwhelming. And, you know, it's like, where do I start? If I don't know what happens on page one, then I can't start my book. But uh, so I love trying to get rid of those kinds of things. So we'll talk some more. And you guys already made a lot of progress today. <laughs> yeah, and, that's uh, true. Yeah. And if it gets you started, then that's really cool. You know what? I did not mention the name of your podcast, Child of the Library, yes. correct? Yes. So what do you talk about on your podcast? Why? Who, who should check it out? Everyone who is interested in like bookish stories, like everything from book recommendations. I also did that in the past where I just randomly found someone who wanted to get back into reading with like lost their interest in reading. And I just asked them to send me like a few things that they're interested in. And then I picked up books for them. So this is what I do. I also like talk about what I have been reading or also some things that I can generally recommend when you are interested in this and this or Maybe also sometimes things that are going on in the reading community that I want to comment on or any thoughts that I have about anything that is book related. That's awesome. Now, why did you, what got you to start the podcast? And was it difficult to start? It was not as difficult as I would have thought. Like the thing is, like even in school, I knew that I really love listening to things like, for example, I was really good at learning through actually listening in class, which I think a lot of people yeah. maybe sometimes don't. But I always had a better time actually listening. And then I didn't have to learn as much as home from the textbooks mm -hmm. because this was just working for me better. And I also really loved listening to audiobooks. And through that, through that whole, like you, you don't really see something, but you can get to hear something from someone. I really like the idea of having a bookish podcast because like in a book, you also don't have any visuals unless it's like a comic book or something like that. But if you just have a written text, you don't have that. Mm -hmm. And it's the same, like when someone's talking to you, you don't have the images in your head, but you can project them, but it's just a, like a little little bit easier on your mind when someone is telling you the story rather than you actually having to read it physically. So this is what I really, really liked. And the thing is, when like over the past few years, when I really started to get back into reading, I of course discovered like booktube and all of those bookish videos. But I was always like, ah, you know, when you want to do that, you need to have like camera equipment mm -hmm. and good lighting and you maybe need to like dress in an appropriate <laughs> way whenever you want to do a video. But I never really checked out like bookish podcasts. But then at some point I listened to a podcast about books who was actually by someone who has been like bigger in the bookish YouTube community, but then sort of stepped step back from YouTube a bit and just wanted to do the podcast. Mm -hmm. And when I realized that, you know, like they can do it and I saw like more and more people from all sorts of different topics pop up to who just did podcasts, I was like, okay, it can't be like that extremely difficult. So mm -hmm. I looked a bit into it. Like I know that at some point I just sat down with my iPad and started to design my, my little logo of my podcast. And this is where it sort of all came together. And once I was like a little bit set up with like a like a free software where I could like cut voice voice recordings with, I was actually good to go basically. Yes. And encouraging everyone to start a podcast if you want to because it's actually not too technically difficult to start up one you just need to get it started once and then the uploading part and sticking with it that's the hardest part yeah sticking with it definitely is tough now how about the confidence part of it because i think that's probably just like the confidence with starting a book 
you know, the confidence of like, I, I know for me, even I didn't like my voice. I definitely had, so I had a hard time hearing my voice. I didn't think I was that smart. So I didn't think I should even put out a podcast and who wants to hear from me. Now, did you have any of that self-doubt starting it or were you going in just, I'm just going to do it? No, this might be a little bit weird, but my English speaking voice is different from my German speaking voice. So like my German speaking voice is a lot darker. Than <laughs> my you know, I like voice. that. I love the German. So I, I think for me, the feeling of like hearing myself and not liking myself is probably not that much because I'm doing the podcast in a different language. So yeah, I didn't really have that. Like for my job, I, I need to do a lot of like presentations. So free speaking, also free mm. speaking in English is like sort of like my day to day. So um, whether I do it like in front of people or in front of a microphone was not that much of okay. a big deal for me personally. And yeah, <laughs> the language thing, of course, like when you do it in like second language even though when you're fluent in it you might like need to make a few more like bullet points mm -hmm. on what you want to say or a specific word that you want to use but yeah in general it was okay now why why english just because i know i think we talked about this on the last time you're on the podcast of, of why you read in english but if you go over that why record in english and why do you like to read mm -hmm. in english so for me, reading in English really comes also from learning the language because like the, the way how I used to learn English, of course, I had it in school, you know, where you get to, taught all of the basics. But for me, really like getting deeper into English and also like sort of developing like a bit more of an accent and stuff really came from like watching movies in English or listening to audiobooks in English and stuff. And then also um, after some time also reading in, in English when I discovered that there are a lot of English books out there who are not the recommended reading from school. Oh yeah. <laughs> and that are actually pretty fun to read in English. So, and especially also like, because the German language and the English language are so very different, there of course is also a nuance when it comes to the translation. Mm -hmm. And when someone writes something in English, I, you know, when, when you know the language, why don't you read it in the original text? Mm. So this is sort of where that all came from. And of course, there was some transitional period between me being in school and with me actually starting my work and actually also having English as a big part of my work. Mm. So during that time, I really relied on anything like video games, series, movies, Mm -hmm. books anything that I can consume in English so that I don't lose it because that's always the worst when you know ah, oh, I had such good French I could read like economic articles in French mm -hmm. and then you never use it and then so hard to get back into it so I definitely didn't want that to happen with English so this is sort of like where the reading part of that came in mm -hmm. and because I was reading so much in English and I was also watching the videos, like the, the YouTube videos in English. I sort of got more involved into the English speaking book community. And there's also like, there are like, when, when it comes to books, there are some certain terminologies, like, I don't know, TBR, like to mm -hmm. be red pile or like deckled edges, you know, like with some oh. books when they have those like weird, like cut edges. Mm -hmm. And of course I know the German word for TBR, but I don't know the German word for the deckled edges just because I don't uh, listen to mm -hmm. those particular videos or I'm not, I'm not even sure whether we have deckled edges in the German book market. Oh. I've never seen that. So yeah, you know, like there are those little things like, mm -hmm 
those words and when you are more within that community you just automatically start to talk about these things in the language that you're accustomed to that makes sense now are have you found any german authors that you enjoy that you would that you would go and you would just buy a book that's written in german by a german author like are there any that you in the, and the thing is, I don't have, like, I have some from more of an adult point of view. Those are mainly the ones who are more like, like, like crime novels. Right. Those are the ones that I enjoy in German. Also, because sometimes they are set in Germany in the area where I used to live or okay. live now, but in different places. So this is always very nice. And then I would feel weird, like, reading about something in Germany, not in German, to be right. honest. But yeah, like I of course have authors from like my childhood that when I did not read in English that I have like a very big attachment to. And whenever they come out, even with adult novels, I'm like, okay, autobi, <laughs> give me that book. I want to read it. Mm, that's cool. All right. Now something I might have asked you this off camera, but your guys' impression of Americans versus Germans. <laughs> we found out that there are some like similarities, but there are also some things that are rather different. Like we know that people are like nice here, but we were really like wherever we went, they were always super nice, like very forthcoming. They were always very talkative. Like they were really ready to share and were super friendly. <laughs> you know, I think that's a good example. Like in Germany, when you go on an elevator, you just stand there awkwardly until everyone gets out. And of course, that sometimes happens yeah, in the US as well. But it, very often, because we have been going around for such a long time now, and we have been to so, into so many, many hotels, you have all of those different interactions with different people in those hotels. And very, very often, there was just some, there was just some random, random conversation that was started. For example, when we were in a place near Spokane. Mm -hmm. We were actually quite surprised how many people stayed in that uh, in that particular hotel. And that was because there was a shooting competition nearby, which mm -hmm. we of course didn't know about. And uh, there were two guys, you know, coming into our elevator and we needed to go like three stories down. And then at some point, the guy randomly turned and was like, by the way, don't be irritated by all of those guns. We're not trying to shoot you. There's just a <laughs> shooting competition nearby. And we're like, ah, okay. Feel better. Well, and part of that might be because you guys both seem very friendly. You seem both, yeah, very nice people. I think people can pick up on that because generally I wouldn't think of Americans as being extra friendly. Although when it comes to the service industry, I think that's one of the big things. And I've been warned about that before going to Germany, like saying, you know, hey, don't necessarily expect servers to be going out of their way to be friendly or nice to you. Whereas in the US, like that's how they make their money is by being extra nice. But yeah, I guess, I don't know. I. I always, I think wherever you live, you think somewhere else is going to be better and nicer. And I was like, I want to move. I want to get out of here. But now, and another thing that I was telling you was really cool. Well, cool for you and terrible for me and my family. What a bad dad I am. But you guys talk a little bit about what you've seen on your trip and how I haven't seen any of these places. Yes, yeah, so we started in Las Vegas. We didn't really go to Las Vegas, but we just got our rental car there and directly drove out. Of the That's city. a good choice. And then we went to Bryce Canyon, did hiking there, and it was very, very lovely. Not so nice for my knee, but mm. <laughs> but definitely very lovely, very recommendable. And then we made our way up to Yellowstone, where we stayed for a couple of days. 
luckily before now all of the weather conditions hit so we were able to experience the park in full swing we hope yeah. that uh, the people are able to rebuild everything kind of soonish and that all of the people who had to lose their home now can return and build everything up again mm -hmm. but uh, yeah we had the luck to experience everything before the flood and we saw like bison like baby bison they are very cool. fluffy by the way <laughs> and uh, like like bears with their cups and sort of like these antelopes that mm -hmm. live there <laughs> these special antelopes and yeah we, we saw a lot of wildlife which we actually really enjoy because we really love animals we even saw it's not probably like a falcon type mm. who was diving and catching a fish oh, and then wow. was then taking off with the fish and then you know you, you see those things when you watch like nature documentaries mm. and stuff but you never you think person. you don't see you, you will ever see it and then you're just there you know like casually hiking along and then you see it and you're like okay, <laughs> i'm in the wild now yeah that's <laughs> yeah. cool and then we made our way over to seattle and like we we have been we have had like contact with seattle in like a few different areas like for example through video games or that you hear that a lot of like writers mm -hmm. come from that city and when you go there you could really get a feeling why because they they have we actually looked it up they have up to 300 days of rain every year what? so when you have got like a constant drizzle and you have sunny days but a lot of the time it's very cloudy so it's the optimal like autumn weather to like get cozied up with a blanket and mm. either read or write a book so yeah that that was very cool and then we made actually like seattle in that general area even though it's raining so much it's probably one of those areas where we could like if we wouldn't have like family or anything that was tying us to Germany, this would be the place where we would think we could potentially also mm. live, where we would think that we would like it. Because actually the weather down here and in the Las Vegas area, it's like a little bit too yeah. warm for us. Mm -hmm. As you see, I'm like very like fair skin, so I get burned very easily. Yeah, that's that's where my wife wants to move. That's where I would like to move. If, if we weren't tied to right here, we would probably already be up there. So good choice. We we approve. <laughs> That's good. And I mean, you're pretty easily like in Canada, if you want to have it like really cold, you can go down very easily if you want to have it warm. Mm -hmm. So it's actually like a, a very nice mix. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really cool. And then you guys from there, you guys came down the coast. Yeah. Yeah. So we went down the coast to Cannon Beach, which is also very recommendable if you want to go to a beach that is like very lovely. And I actually like when we were driving into there, my husband was like, by the way, this is like a Windows screensaver. <laughs> And it really looks like that. Like it's exactly. really, really lovely. That's cool. Yeah. And did you have enough time in each of these locations? Like, did you, and who planned it? Did you plan it or did your husband plan it? My husband planned it. Like, did he I, do a good job? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's very good at planning our holidays. Like, before I met him, I was always like planning my holidays and where to get around. But ever since I met him, it's it. very nice. Like I could outsource nearly everything. Like, awesome. We we sort of like split the uh, split the responsibilities. Like he's usually taking care of like the the route, and I'm taking care of all of the like uh, paperwork stuff, like applying for ESTA uh, and everything yeah. like that. That's smart. I don't know if this is true or not, but do Europeans? go on vacation more often than Americans you think is is going on holiday important to you for us definitely mm -hmm. like to travel and to experience all sorts of like different cultures and areas and see different animals and stuff that's very important like for us as a couple mm -hmm. when it comes to like making holidays I think 
yes, Germans tend to do a lot of holidays, but they don't necessarily need to be that far as the US. Like, of mm. course, like a big trip in the US is, and also the way how we do it, like that you fly in and then that you rent a car and you yourself are driving around mm. for so much. You really need to have someone who wants to do that and commit to that. Yeah. Because if like on the middle of your stay, you're like, oh, I don't want to drive anymore. That's yeah. Not ideal. So yeah, this is maybe like more of the like unusual or not not so much done type of mm. holiday. But of course, like Germans are known for actually traveling within Germany, <laughs> and also like in Europe, we I mean in Europe we have the fortunate situation that we have a lot of different cultures and also a lot of different languages living in a relatively small space. Mm. So thinking about what types of miles or kilometers, if you want to do it in our like measurement mm -hmm. to like if you converted like how much we would have done within Europe compared to what we did did here in the US it's really crazy like how far you could come within Europe and how many cultures you could have seen but it, it's the same like within uh, the US like mm -hmm. you see so much you have like the the deserts of Las Vegas True. you have the like vast like the vast plant life and animal life within Yellowstone then you had over and you've got all of the grain and and all of those like lovely florals within Seattle mm -hmm. and then you go down again and suddenly you've got like mountains and <laughs> and a lot of snow around Crater Lake and then they, you go even further down and then you've got the sea in San Francisco and Los, in, in Los Angeles mm -hmm. and you have the zoo in San Diego and stuff so I think no matter where you go whether it's within one country or in right. Europe within, within all of those you really get to experience a lot in terms of landscape and also in terms of culture that's cool. And one thing that you guys did that I thought was really cool was the videos you guys captured. Like that's, I, I never think to do it. And I'm not as talented as your husband, but I thought that was just super cool to capture so much of your trips. And it sounds like you guys do that all the time, right? Like on whenever you do a trip. Yeah, for the bigger vacations. Mm. Like at the very beginning, when we got together six years ago, we did not do it. Like we took a lot of pictures, but we never like really took videos. Mm. But then for like the holiday when we got engaged, where I did not know that we were going to be engaged, he actually got a GoPro. And there because it is leveling out if you, you know, like tilt it mm. in whatever, because it's an action cam, right? So it's fairly easy to keep it stable and it's pretty sturdy so even if it falls down you don't lose thousands yeah. of money because you accidentally cracked the lens or something mm -hmm. so uh, yeah that was that was pretty like a good start for us and I, <laughs> I very i remember this so well because in our, our first video was the video where we got engaged and i remember him setting up the camera and you know he was like you know i'm taking a video and then we can do like screenshots from there, like from a picture where we stand there smiling. And, uh, you know, I was standing there, you know, like smiling at the camera. And then he's like, you know, crushing around in his bag. And I was like, what is he doing? I don't know. I'm smiling yeah. at the camera, <laughs> you know, very professional. And yeah, then, and then he was like being like, yeah, and I was looking at him and then he had the ring and stuff. Oh, so nice. yeah, and it's all on camera. So yeah, we where... have that recorded. It was in Italy, oh. actually on uh, Lake Garda. And in Lake Arden, there is like a small island, which has like, it's not really a castle, but more like a chalet type mm -hmm. where you can have like guided tours through the gardens because they are very beautiful. And there's that one terrace that looks over Lake Arden and is very, very beautiful. And this is where he Oh, made. wow. Yeah. So he did it right. 
Yeah, he, nice. he put a lot of thought into that. That's cool. No, you guys seem like an awesome couple. Yeah, I, re I really liked him when I met him in Germany. And so, yeah, very cool that you guys could make it out here. So now we are going to go. We're going to talk some more about your book because me being selfish, I was like, well, okay, this is a cool book. If I were to help you develop it into a book, then I would expect that we would do a try not to die set in that book, which would be awesome. Another good opportunity. And if it never happens, it never happens. And if you guys completely change the book or decide not to do it, that's totally cool too. But I just don't want you to give up on a dream. Well, we should probably go play some Fortnite. My son's been wanting to help you guys get a victory. Maybe some Beat Saber. I'm trying to get them to play some VR. We might record it. Not sure what else. And then you guys have, what, a two-hour drive today? That's yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then Friday tra traffic sucks. So yeah. we might want to hang out for a bit. But again, thank you so much for coming out here, for being on the podcast, for making the trip, for introducing me to Germany, all that stuff. And so definitely check out her podcast, Child of the Library. Where can you find that? It's on everywhere, Apple, Spotify. Yeah. So that's Child of the Library podcast. I think I might have a short story for you guys to go out on. Let's do, it's from Morsels of Mayhem. Let's do 31 Others. That is the 31st story in the 25 Perfect Day world. That's pretty confusing. Whole lot of numbers. But I hope you like the story. I will see you guys next week. Later. Bye. 31 Others. October 2nd, 2045. Holy shit. What the hell happened? Everything hurts. My head's one giant, throbbing mass. My left eye won't open. And my right's blurry. I'm guessing car crash, but I don't remember driving. I don't remember anything. Last thing was kissing Paula goodbye. I wipe my eye and cry out. My left shoulder a hot flash of agony. My scream echoes, but only my right ear catches it, my left just ringing. The stickiness on my fingers is drying blood. My hand hesitates, then goes to the missing patch of hair on the side of my head. I'm afraid to check my scalp and need to know what I'm dealing with. Skin is torn, but the bleeding has stopped. It's the swelling I'm worried about. The pressure. The pain. I don't even know where the hell I am. Just that it's some kind of small cell. This bench is black steel, same as the side and back walls, each close enough to touch. Thick glass doors stand three feet in front of me, giving this cage the feel of a fancy elevator. But there are no buttons to open the door or call for help. I'm naked. No clothes in sight. There's a puddle of spit and blood in the corner. Around my left ankle is a black plastic tie. That foot a light purple. Another tie secures it to the U-ring bolted to the floor. The glass doors look too thick to break. And there's a black number seven sticker near the bottom. The walls and glass doors stop an inch from the concrete ceiling a good nine feet above. Seems like something they'd pull on us in basic training but the army's in my past. It's gotta be a dream or some kind of joke. Then again, this hurts too much not to be real. What I can see of my left shoulder is a massive black and blue. 
There's a purple splotch across my swollen ribs, another on my left hip. It hurts to sit up, ringing in my ear, not doing any better. There's something on the other side of the glass, but I need to get up to see better. Jesus Christ! At least one of my ribs is broken and my balance is shit. Without the wall to lean on, I'd go down. A row of five cages stands a good fifteen feet away, about a yard separating each of them, concrete walls on both ends. The one directly across from me has thirteen at the bottom. A woman, curled over on the bench, her disheveled long blonde hair hiding her face. The cages marked twelve, eleven, and ten are to my left, and fourteen to my right is nestled against the wall. The walls of my cage are blank, same as the glass, no button to slide the doors open. I cover up with my hand and yell, What the hell is going on? My voice is muffled and hangs in the stale air. It doesn't look like anyone heard me across the way, or at least no one's acting like it. From this angle, I can't see if anyone's in ten. Next to her in eleven is a dark-skinned lady, with short black hair who's balled up on the floor of her cage. The curly brunette in twelve is on her feet, covered up with both hands. She looks like she's still in high school. I glance away, even though she seems familiar. The girl in fourteen is about the same age, plus forty pounds. She might be asleep. Her head lolled back and her punky blue hair smashed against the side wall. There's a loud click and a whir as the cage vibrates. My cage and the ones across from me move as one, shifting right as fourteen lowers out of sight. We're stuck on the world's lowest roller coaster, but even that little bit of movement makes me nauseous. I sit down, rest my head against the glass, surprised by its warmth. Cage nine just came out from the wall to our left. The angle's too sharp to see if anyone's in it. What if Paula is in there? Why are we here? The glass thuds around my foot when I kick it. Only my right ear registers the sound. I've got to breathe. Got to calm down or my head's going to burst. Or it already has and my skin's just containing it. The lady across from me pulls her hair to the side. Both eyes black and blue. Her nose crooked. She sees me looking, and her hair once again hides her face. Twelve is sitting down, eleven still on the floor, and ten standing, facing the place we'd come from. Not much of her is exposed, but I'm relieved by her red hair. It's not, Paula. What the fuck? I should be at work, or home. Not here. Work. The protest. Breathe. It's my left side that's damaged, that eye probably permanently gone. An explosion. Grenade! That's what Yvonne had yelled. We were front row with my camera, Yvonne preparing her questions beside me. Judge Monterosa stood behind the podium, her voice shaking with rage as she recited the list of congressmen who each had at least one live-in employed. Every one of the girls the minimum age of fifteen. My memory is interrupted by a whisper. Someone talking. The wall is warm on my palm. My head throbbing more when I'm standing. Hello? They... Here. A tiny voice says from above. 
It doesn't sound like it's coming from a speaker and there's just the concrete wall to our right. I get as close as I can to the other wall. Turn so my good ear is facing it. Anyone there? Yeah. A man says. You hear me? Uh, barely. I step on my bench with my right foot, rise up as far as the zip tie will allow. Where are we? I don't know. They took off my hood before I... Click. The entire cage vibrates. No! The ceiling pulls away from my hand, my equilibrium off as we descend to the next floor. Thirteen and I stop at the same time, but the blonde doesn't even raise her head. Not that there's anything different to see down here. Four cages and a concrete wall to the left, another wall to my right. The punk rocker in fourteen is crying, banging her fist on the bench. In fifteen, a lady with long silver hair appears to be the oldest here. She pulls her hair back into a bun and wipes the sweat from her brow, dabs the small wounds peppering her face. Holy crap. Judge Monorosa. Why would someone kidnap us? This makes no sense. The teenager in 16 has a runner's physique. Bruises across her back. Her right foot is on the bench, her left straining against the zip tie. She calls out the cage one, but it isn't visible from this angle. Down here, there's a six-inch gap between the cage and the ceiling. Not enough room to squeeze through, even if I got the tie off. It seems like the larger opening would make it cooler, but if anything, it's warmer down here. The air stifling. I face the left wall and yell, Hey! You hear me? Yes, I'm here, a man says, his voice shaky. N not our kids. I don't get what he's saying. Then I remember the name of the movement. Cameraman, I tell him. Can't believe this. What happened? Click. The cage shakes. We all shift one space. Cage one passing through the tight opening in the wall, twelve descending into the open space to the right. The image of an airport luggage terminal fills my mind. What the hell is going on? My throat is raw, but I still scream. We didn't do anything! Calm down. The older sounding man in six says. It won't help. I move closer to the wall. Who did this? Probably backers of the bill, everyone's being named. I sit down as a wave of nausea overtakes me and bile rises in my throat. The curly brunette in twelve is looking right at me, mascara snaking down her cheeks. She holds up her hand and waves. I return the wave. Her small smile brings everything back. She'd been at the protest standing behind Monterosa with the other girls who stepped forward to tell their story. All the things they were forced to do to get assistance for their families. But now she's doing sign language, and I've got no idea what she's saying. Oh, man, Eight says. Stop it! At first, I think he's yelling at me, but I'm not doing anything. We can only see the women. Sixteen is hysterical. Her screams silent as she pounds on the wall. She's jerking her leg hard as she can, the zip tie embedded so deep, the blood flowing freely. Finally, 
Sixteen gives up the struggle and faces the doors with a look of determination. Still standing halfway on the bench, she puts her hands behind her back and dives headfirst, tucking her chin so her body doubles over. Her neck snapped in half. The click scares the shit out of me and the cage rumbles. Sixteen's dead and disappearing through the wall. Judge Monarosa sits there, her face fierce, oblivious to what happened a few arm lengths away from her. Fourteen is banging on the glass with both fists, but I only catch faint thuds. The blonde in thirteen still has her head bowed. Twelve attempting sign language with someone to my right. Eleven is the new arrival. She's sitting up, arms covering her chest. That's Zara. My editor. She wasn't even at the protest. I wave, try to get Zara's attention, but she's staring at her feet. At least she doesn't look injured. This is bad, Eight says. I'm fucking freaking out. It'll be all right, I say. The biggest lie of my life. That girl killed herself. I saw. He says something else, but I tune him out. Same with Six, whose shouts are muffled. All I can think about is Paula. Is she safe at home? If I'm going to see her again. I close my eye and breathe. The humid air filling my throat. The pounding in my head isn't as bad. Or I'm just used to it. But there's no question. The swelling's getting worse. Click. Sweat stings my eye. My entire body glistening. I'm in the batter's box and in need of serious medical attention. I count to thirty before Six starts shouting. What's going on? He asks. Where are we headed? Pretty sure we're in a loop. To where? I don't have any answers, so I go to the left wall. You hear anything? There's silence. Talking and yelling, that's it. Eight says. I'll be right back. Six keeps shouting for me, but I close my eye, pretend I'm in a sauna, keeping my breaths long and soft. Getting upset won't help. I've got to stay strong. A click and a shake and I'm the one up against the wall, me and Thirteen who's still hiding behind her hair. Eight is talking, but too low to make out. He's getting louder, telling someone to fuck off. At least there's someone to talk to. I can explain there's been a mistake. I'm a journalist. But so is Zara. There's no reason she should be here. She's still staring at the cage floor. Twelve's crying, rocking back and forth. Thirteen parted her hair down the middle and is staring right at me, her hands folded in prayer. Join me, she mouths. Please. This is my first time since I was a kid. I bring my hands together. Give a slight bow. Her smile looks painful. Her teeth stained red. Thank you. Six is shouting something, but I'm not going to respond. All my focus on this woman. Click! The cage shifts left, and I'm looking into a tiny white cubicle. A giant black screen hangs inches from the glass doors, and the sulfurous air is thick enough to taste. We clank to a stop, and the screen pops on. A balding white guy in a black controller's uniform sits behind a desk. 
The guy looks like he got teased a bunch as a kid and probably still does outside of work. I keep my voice calm and say, This is a big mistake. I'm a journalist. I'm a cameraman. He doesn't even bother looking up. We're well aware of that, Mr. Norris, he says, his squeaky voice coming through the ceiling speaker. Aid is screaming at me. Don't confess! Don't give in! White noise is cranked up to drown him out as condensation gathers on the glass. The controller says, Pay attention, Mr. Norris. I served in the army. Which makes your treachery even worse. You pledged undying allegiance to the president and his controllers. I didn't do anything. This isn't constitutional. Do you confess and denounce your crimes? Eight screams so loud it cuts through the white noise. Confess, he says. Confess! Please look at the screen, Mr. Norris. The screen goes black before an email appears. It's from Paula. He highlights her third sentence down. Someone needs to stop these scumbags. That's a private message to my wife. The screen switches to a conversation I had with Zara this morning. She suggested how I frame my photos. Focus on the girls. We need to see these pedophiles burn. Denounce your heretical ideology, the controller says. Accept your three-month detention. Be baptized. And become whole. The smell is awful as the heat turns up, the steam intensifying. I ask, or? The maniacal shouts of a madman slice through the silence. Time's up, the controller says, calmly. If you're going to confess, please look at the camera above the cell. Fine, I say. I confess! I accept my punishment! Click. The cage shakes and the screen goes black. This room is bigger. The humidity overwhelming. An enormous, shiny steel vat with water trickling down the side fills the space between me and Thirteen. Another one between Fourteen and Eight shines bright through the rising steam. Fourteen's bunched up on the floor. Drenched and dead. Her blue hair floating on an inch of water. Her baptism. No! Eight screams. Lord Jesus, no! There are silver slides jutting out from the wall, each angled down at a cage. Thirteen is still seated in prayer, her face serene, eyes closed. I can't tell if she confessed. Eight keeps screaming. This can't be happening. No goodbyes to our families. Ugh, we didn't do anything! I punch the glass, not caring when I shatter my knuckles. Something clicks above, and a torrent of cold water knocks me into the doors. It's not stopping, and already up to my knees. Thirteen opens her eyes and jerks back. Looks like she's been shot. She's pointing and screaming at me and Eight. The water's past my thighs. But the lava is slower. A waterfall of fire pouring over Fourteen, eating away all traces of her. I jerk my leg, but the zip tie's not breaking. The water's to my chest. Even if I could hold my breath long enough, there's no getting away. 
All the screams are gone. Just the rushing water. Thirteen's trying to kick her leg free, her nails drawing blood as she tries to tear the tie off. Getting on the bench won't do me any good. I want to leave my mouth open, but instinct takes over and I gasp the biggest breath. The water is nearly to my eyes when Thirteen faces me. I fold my hands in front of my chest. No way of knowing if she's joined me. The water distorting everything. I let in the flood. And pray. Alright, hopefully you guys enjoyed that story. And we'll stick around for next week, which is the final story from Morsels of Mayhem. That will be the rules. Uh, up next, check out this little trailer for podcasts I will be on probably in summertime. I will have Karina on the show and I'll be on hers but I think we're going to do it after summer because both of us have pretty busy schedules. Anyhow, check it out, and I will see you guys next week. Later. Karina Cantus is the host of the fun and entertaining podcast Behind the Pen. Her guests are anyone who uses a pen for work. She's had New York Times best-selling authors to debut novelist film stars to mediums and psychics, rock bands from India and famous journalists. And the best part of the show is that it's unscripted, so even Karina doesn't know anything about her guest. And as they chat and have a laugh, you soon learn who is behind the pen. Available on all good podcast platforms such as Spotify and iTunes.